Today's Plugged In podcast is sponsored by Volvo. Get ready to recharge this summer with Volvo's first pure electric SUV. The XC40 Recharge has no tailpipe emissions yet delivers more than 400 horsepower and up to 335 kilometers on a single charge. And with integrated Google OS, stay connected on any journey, even without your phone. Enjoy an SUV designed for you and the world we share. Visit volvocars.ca to learn more. Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. On past episodes, we've heard from a number of hydrogen fuel cell experts, and if one theme emerged from those discussions, it was that hydrogen-powered electric vehicles are ideally suited for the long-haul trucking industry. Charging times for traditional battery electric vehicles the size of a big rig are way too long to make them economically viable in an industry bound by tight delivery deadlines. However, hydrogen fueling is comparable to diesel fueling in terms of time, so it is quite conceivable to create zero-emission heavy-duty trucks that work under the real-life demands of the commercial trucking industry. There are a number of pilot projects taking place around the world to explore the viability of this concept, including short-haul scenarios in Europe and around Los Angeles. Beginning next year, a made-in-Alberta pilot project will be the most ambitious to date, seeing two hydrogen fuel cell 64-ton B-train tractor trailers hauling freight between Edmonton and Calgary over the course of 18 months. Called the Alberta Zero Emissions Truck Electrification Collaboration, or Azatec, the goal is to log about half a million carbon-free kilometers in all kinds of extreme Alberta weather conditions. To tell us more about Azatec is Chris Nash, who is the president of the Alberta Motor Transport Association a non-profit organization that since 1938 has advanced the province's commercial transportation industry through safety programs, policy initiatives, and partnerships with key industry players. Prior to becoming AMTA president in 2018, Chris was president of Jones Transportation, and his resume includes working the oil fields of northern Alberta and driving big rigs along the Alaska Highway. Chris is a strong proponent of research and innovation in the industry, and sits on the Hydrogen Task Force. Thanks very much for joining us today, Chris. Thanks for having me. This is an intriguing-sounding thing, the Alberta Zero Emissions Truck Electrification Collaboration. I guess I'd like to know, who are the collaborators in this? Ah, so this is an uh, AMTA-led initiative. We have different partners in the group, uh, to build two hydrogen fuel cell trucks to run on the QE2, pulling freight on the corridor going through there. So we have the Zen Clean Energy Solutions, Canadian Energy Systems, Analysis Research, uh, Bison Tri- Transportation, TriMac Transportation, Suncor Energy and Emission Reductions Alberta, along with Dana Ballard and Freightliner. So there's a whole big collaboration of the group to build this up. So why do this? What's the big picture idea behind this? Well, when you look at transportation as a whole, 
you start looking at a lot of GHG there, right? Between 1990 and 2019, GHG emissions from the transportation sector grew by 54%. You know, and it was mostly driven by increases from freight trucks and passenger light trucks. So we knew that something had to be changed. You know, under the Paris Agreement, Canada's committed to producing GHG by 30% by 2005, uh, below 2005 levels by 2030. And it also announced a target to reach net zero by 2050. And, and the transportation industry is a big contributor to that. Some of the listeners might be surprised that zero emission project is taking place in a province that's kind of synonymous with oil and gas production. Should they be? Well, to be honest with you, uh, they, they, you shouldn't. We're kind of the center of Canada and center of North America, really, that's poised for this. You know, we're seeing other, other hydrogen projects, say, out of California in nice weather areas or very short distances. When you come to Alberta, we're heavier weights. We need longer distances. And you know what? From the different ways that it can produce hydrogen, we're, we're poised to be able to take on this project. So two trucks are going to be involved in this, this pilot. They're going to have traveled more than 500,000 kilometers, so half a million kilometers, carried about 20 million ton kilometers of freight along a commercial corridor. What are your expectations about the results? Well, it's really a combination of everything. When you look at industry and when you talk about electrification, sometimes people are a little bit scared away from it, right? They don't know enough about it. But with this project to do proof of concept of what you can do in our harsh environment, what you can do for long distance travel, which typically the product isn't there right now to be able to go 700 kilometers on a hydrogen vehicle or an electric vehicle, not at heavy weights that we're running here at 63.5 kgs. Um, that's that's huge. So being able to prove that and shift the mindset of an industry to something that's helping diversify Alberta itself, when you look at the ways to produce the hydrogen, um, this is good all around to get to that exact point we want to be at net zero. You are correct in that there are these kind of hydrogen truck projects in Europe, and I think of one in Los Angeles that's uh, kind of short hauls, right? They're probably container trucks almost. They're picking them up at the port, taking them to a warehouse and doing that trip maybe two or three times a day. This one's a little different though, right? This is kind of like the, you know, I mean, Canada is a great country to do it in simply because of the weather, but also the vast distances. 700 kilometers you mentioned. I mean, what's, would you know what the current max is for a fuel cell truck out there? Well, I'm sure it varies, but we're not looking at anything close to that distance. You're looking at the vocational trucks, the ones that either come home and, and recharge or refill that sort of thing that aren't going far, you know, um, the electrification really is the foundation of it. Um, you, you consider going from combustion to electrification, 2,500 parts to 250 parts, you know, uh, no oil changes, no anything else. But when you look at it from the perspective of, there's not gonna be one winner. It's not gonna be all electrification. It's not gonna be all hydrogen, but it's gonna fit the application. So this hydrogen for the longer distance is important because you may need to refuel quicker to keep on going where electrification would be longer to charge. Or you want a vehicle that you want to run a lot more often, maybe have it running 24 hours a day or however it is, it doesn't have time to charge. So refueling is, is the way to do it. So it really depends on the application, but they're both definitely the way it's going. I've had a few guests on the podcast over the, the four seasons talking about hydrogen and things. And obviously there are some passenger vehicles out there, the Hyundais, the um I guess Toyota's got one, but really it seems like a lot of the big thinkers around zero emission think that hydrogen is the way to go for, for big rigs simply because 
um, of the charging time is a lot of it, right? Or the refueling time is a big critical point when these things, it's all about, you know, the old saying, if the wheels aren't turning or what's it, if the wheels aren't turning, you ain't earning. So the whole idea is that you want to reduce fuel, um, charge time, fuel time with an electric vehicle, the size of the batteries, it would take, it would take 24 hours to charge one of these things. So obviously hydrogen really does seem like the perfect solution for this, for this application. Absolutely. And Alberta is, is poised to be the place for it. You know, with that electric vehicle infrastructure demonstration program that we're doing the EVID project, we're going to have a fuel station built to do uh, to do hydrogen fuel at 350 bar. So being able to produce 200 kilograms a day um, to get these trucks rolling up and down the road, which is just the beginning of that corridor we'd like to have from Calgary all the way to Fort McMurray. So an integral part of the project is this hydrogen fueling station in Edmonton. Earlier this month, you received 2.3 million from the federal government for investment. So what's the plan for that station? I mean, is that the whole concept is to have this fueling station and then the two trucks will kind of cycle through there? Yeah, actually, that's just the start point. You know, the two trucks are the first, but, you know, we're hearing of other projects and opportunities and hydrogen vehicles that may be using that facility uh, to fill up as well. We have to, we really have to build that uh, demand for supply. You know, there's a lot of folks looking at how they can bring hydrogen to market. You know, we heard the, uh, the announcement there uh, a couple of weeks ago um, with air products, you know, having Suncor as our partner to go. There's a lot of people producing and working to produce hydrogen. We need the equipment to be able to to use it. So that's what this station is doing. It's the ground zero to be able to start moving towards that direction. Yeah, I mean, so much of this this whole zero emission transportation um, puzzle is, you know, you hear chicken and egg all the time. And it sounds like this kind of project is something that you can, people can coalesce around and bring their little part of the world to it. And in the end, you have this massive kind of infrastructure that, that will support it. Transportation is really a tipping point because there's a lot of conversation about, you know, the colors of hydrogen and how it's going to get there. It's all pre-pumped conversation, but the reality is in order to keep up with that pre-pumped delivery, we need to have something post-pumped. And that's what the project is doing is proof of concept and being able to open the door to, to expand on it. So it's kind of like if you build it, they will come mentality. You bet. And we have an industry that's, you know, a responsible industry. Is there anything that's optional optional out there right now for long distance and looking at a different technology? There really isn't. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of things. We need to move that direction and prove it. So hydrogen as a, as a fuel for vehicles, it, it has its critics. I've had them on the podcast. Um, they, their concerns range from the cost and the cleanliness of producing hydrogen to the challenge of creating this kind of fueling infrastructure countrywide, let's say. How would you respond to those comments? Well, really, it's an economies of scale. You know, I, I kind of equate it to, uh, remember how they used to do a computer chip? They'd take buildings and they would lay out everything inside the building. So it was big, it was clunky, it wasn't there. But as demand and as efficiency grows, you have to start somewhere. Um, right. You know, so we're, we're seeing already um, innovation is far outpacing implementation, you know, and at the speed that this is all growing, um, you know, this is just a start point. Does it have its challenges? It does, but that's exactly why we're moving forward here so that people, we've got really smart people here in Alberta and in Canada. Uh, we're a leader in the hydrogen world. So being able to put this together is, uh, it's going to prove it can be done and can be done um, environmentally safe and such. One of the real key elements to me is that they're going to be Canadian built trucks, you know, so that, you know, getting back to my point of these these disparate people coming together to create something, 
it sounds like in the manufacturing, the design, the engineering of these trucks, you're going to be bringing in a lot of smart people that otherwise maybe would never meet each other, right? You've got Ballard fuel cells, and then you're going to have, you know, guys who have been building uh, big rig trucks for 50 years talking to them. So that seems really exciting to me. Yeah, it's a collaborative table, and, and that's really what we're all about. And the, the big part is, and again, why Alberta and the Edmonton area is poised for this is if you can prove this product to work here, it will work anywhere. And, you know, we've, we've seen them, you know, even go off topic a little bit, the autonomous, everything there. We see work being done in beautiful climates with nice painted roads and nice everything. If you can make it work here, it's marketable anywhere in the world. Yeah, but the temperature extremes I think of. Yeah, the hills, the roads, the temperatures, the weights, everything. So, you know, again, the amount of payload that we pull here in Canada uh, is larger than the majority of, of the United States and has the other large places in Canada. So, you know, again, making it work here, it's over-engineered for anywhere else. The, the trucks themselves, will they be current models adapted to fuel cells or are these like ground up fresh sheet designs? So right now, again, anything you build new, you try to do as little as you possible as you have to do to build from new. So yeah. these are two Freightliner gliders. So basically that's buying the whole truck less the drivetrain. So that's all being retrofitted to be able to fit in there. But as the iterations go forward, of course, that'll be looked at as well to see how we can how we can be better at it. And, and where's the production facility for the trucks? So right now we're building them in Nordressa, which is a place in Montreal. So part of the Dana group. Um, but again, all the groups involved with uh, with Ballard, everybody, um, H, with the HREX being built, um, which is the fuel cell that will be placed on there. So it's there's a lot of different groups. You know, it has its challenges at times because you can't go to Canadian Tire or go somewhere and buy the part for it. Sometimes you're making it. So... You know, and these are our new parts when you have an electric drivetrain. Um, and it's not even a traditional drivetrain. Drive there won't be a drive shaft, you know, so simple things like that. But having everyone together and putting their heads together, uh, we're pretty excited to see what this is going to bring, bring out for everyone. And I mean, the backdrop of this, too, is you're doing this through a pandemic or hopefully, hopefully at the tail end of a pandemic. But that obviously is, is being difficult, too. Yeah, of course, you know, it is multinational, you know, we have uh, U.S. counterparts that are part of this with Dana as well. So we just had great people able to work together to keep going forward on this. So we're all excited about it. So why is the heavy duty vehicle sector one of the most difficult of the transportation economies to decarbonize? It's a race to the moon on what it'll be. You know, we've seen uh, LNG, CNG, RNG from the natural gas side, you know, looking at the hydrogen. But I think the real the real changeover is going from from combustion to electrification because it really the cost of an in-frame, the cost of ownership over time, all of that. So when you bring in the other technology, sometimes is there enough savings to make it worth the investment? Cost of ownership, you know, economies of scale, everything there. Whereas when you look at electrification, that that changeover, it's a huge change in how we're going to look at trucks going forward. So in a past life, you spent many hours behind the wheel of a big rig rolling all over Western, Western Canada. I mean, you were a driver. You know what you're speaking about. So you have huge insight into the daily life of these guys and girls. How do you think the average driver will regard driving one of these hydrogen vehicles? 
Well, it's funny. There's always the evolution in time for acceptance. And I'll bring up two simple ones that have been a challenge over the years, but it's when the automatic transmission came. You know, everybody that was a driver before and, and loved the manual, worked on the manual, everything, when they saw it, they I don't want it. I don't want it. It didn't shift right. Um, you know, but it's been built for the drive line to be better, your fuel mileage to be better. You know, people like to drive in a power band, so that's why they don't like the automatic transmission. But in time, we have some of the largest carriers in Western Canada that don't own a manual transmission anymore. So that move over is seen benefit from the cost of ownership, safety, everything that goes with it. Does it fit in all applications? No, it doesn't. But it's that change. It takes a lot of time. Similar to the disc brakes. <laughs> that was a, a difficult change for some people, you know, because what do you do with it? How do you check it? What do you what do you have to do? So those were I won't say minor. Those were big changes in the industry. But when you compare that to electrification, there's definitely education out there as to why. Why would I want to do it? I'd love to be some of the drivers of your test rigs because I'm sure they're going to be pulled over at a stop somewhere and they're going to be fielding lots of questions from lots of interested truckers. Well, think of it this way, and I don't know how much you know about trucking, but we have the national safety code and the rules about pre-trip, and the pre-trip is essentially designed on a combustion vehicle. So even your pre-trip that falls under there is going to be different from your standard 13 schedule one. So regulations now have to be looked at to accommodate this, you know, different ways of looking at it. I don't know if it's anecdotal, but driving an electric vehicle, I mean, what what I love about those is they're smooth, but they have huge torque. So, I mean, you pull away. It seems like from a driver's perspective of a big rig, having a lot of torque right there would, would be, I mean, it'll probably be a little mind-blowing for some of them because it will be, you know, it'll be pulling pretty quick. Yeah, it's funny you say we, we were talking about that a fair bit because the amount that you can, you know, they've talked about what it can accelerate. You know, there's been some astronomical numbers. We know get zero to 60 in a fully loaded truck isn't exactly something you'll do quickly. However, with electrification, that offers an opportunity to look at load securement. And I guess, again, that's what this project's all about, is you're going to get this real-world information. Um, it's not just about how, e how easy it is to fuel the thing and, and how far it can go. It's all these little nuances from the driver to the machinery itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? And even the refueling, you know, there's talk of it being 20 minutes to 45 minutes, what that really is, what it is and what temperature, how a fuel cell reacts to that to exactly the driver experience. You know, there's going to be a lot of things there. So who's going to be driving these test trucks? So right now we have uh, Bison Transport as well as Trimac Transportation that's supplying the drivers that will be running these between uh, Edmonton and Calgary on regular scheduled runs. So they'll have the same same locations so they can compare everything going back and forth and the same route to be able to go on. So will they be hauling real stuff? This is going to be moving actual products for Albertans. So at uh, Bison, you know, they do a lot of full load uh, uh, product when it comes to retail, whatever it is. Uh, as well as uh, some wholesale product. When you look at uh, Trimac, they do a lot more of the bulk stuff, you know, things that don't come in a package. So they go either in a tank or a hopper or that sort of thing. What's the timing for this? I mean, where, where do things stand right now? So we were hoping to be out here in 2021, but just, of course, building something brand new and running into what the challenges, and as you alluded to with COVID, we're looking for a second quarter of 22 is when we put that on the road. And then how long will the test period be? For 18 months, they'll be running back and forth between uh, Edmonton and Calgary. So you'll see you'll see everything in terms of weather and all that. 
Absolutely, and they'll be all deckled up, marked up, so everybody will know what they are. So people should look for them come uh, this time next year, I guess. You betcha, you betcha. And we'll be uh, reaching out once they are here to give you more of the story. I can't wait. So I'll get you out of here with this last question. So as I mentioned, I'm four seasons into hosting this podcast, and there's lots of common themes that have come out. But one of the big ones is that it seems like Canada is at a critical point from an industry perspective of either being a player in the zero emission space or a mere bystander. Do you agree with that? And if so, what do you think needs to happen for the country to kind of seize this opportunity before us? Well, I would say we are a leader. I think especially here in Alberta and when we had uh, Minister Seamus O'Regan make the announcement on the EBIT project, even from what his words were, this is the place to do it. Not only North American, we can be a global leader in the hydrogen world. So having this opportunity is bringing innovation to Alberta. It's bringing jobs to Alberta. It's bringing technology to Alberta. We're at a point where we can look at being part of the solution, not being told what to do, which is very exciting. And hey, it diversifies our economy and it's really going to help with the Alberta recovery and Canada's recovery. That's Chris Nash, president of the Alberta Motor Transport Association. As I mentioned in the introduction of today's episode, one of the main themes around any hydrogen fuel cell discussion we've had on this podcast is how well-suited the zero-emission technology is for the long-haul heavy truck industry. Freight transportation accounts for almost 70% of diesel fuel demand in Alberta alone and contributes some 12 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions per year in the province, which translates to about 9% of Canada's total. So clearly, cleaning up that sector is integral to our country meeting its carbon reduction goals. Another recurring theme over the past four seasons has been the need for all facets of the Canadian transportation industry, manufacturing, supply chains, infrastructure, all levels of government, to act now or miss out on the electric vehicle transition taking place this decade. The Azatec project addresses both of those themes perfectly and I'll be sure to report back on its findings when things wrap up in 2023. That's it for this episode. Much thanks to my guest Chris Nash, producer extraordinaire Darm McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com. For your dose of all things automotive, be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, videos, and reviews. Check out the site's comparison tool for head-to-head shopping and sign up for the Blind Spot newsletter, delivered to your inbox every Saturday morning and featuring a roundup of the past week's most important and most entertaining automotive news. And be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from seasons 1, 2, and 3.